um, right? They allow others to know that they're fasting. Um, now, it isn't that you can't allow for others to know. Otherwise, me informing us on this fast, this corporate fast, is defeating the purpose, right? For what purpose would I, you know, if, if at the very mention of a, uh, uh, to another individual that we're fasting will overturn my reward, then there's no possible way that we could do a corporate fast. Um, Jesus said that we shouldn't do it in order to be seen or to be known. He didn't say when you do it, don't be known or don't be seen. He says when you do it, don't do it to be seen and to be known, right? And allow for others to begin to praise you for how great of a fasting warrior you are or so on and so forth or a prayer warrior. Um, it doesn't mean don't be a prayer warrior or that you cannot even be known as a prayer warrior. But we don't fast and pray in order to become uh, to be known as one. Does that make sense? Um, there's a difference between giving to the poor and then me publishing everything on social media. Not, not to say you can't publish it on social media, but there's a difference between feeding the poor and then feeding the poor for the purpose of people knowing that I feed the poor. Right? That's my motive. I want people to know that I do this. Right? <clears throat> so... Um, uh, but Jesus said that if you do that, you lose your reward, right? Now, a, a quick distinction that I want to make from that uh, passage there, and then we will move on to the text because there's there's direction that I want to uh, provide us from the text um, into this uh, fasting and prayer. Uh, but one of the things is that there's a clear distinction between the reward there and the answer to the praying, it's assumed that when one fasts, they also pray. And Jesus informed us that um, if we do things in order to be seen, we lose our reward, right? But if you do it for out of purity unto God and for the purpose of pleasing God, you have a reward. But there is a, there is a distinction between the reward for the act itself and then the answer that comes in response to the very prayer and response to the fasting, right? So, for example, if I pray for such and such, if I pray for X, Y, and Z, and then God answers that specifically, that is altogether different from the reward I receive for, for merely being obedient to the teachings that Christ has given us, such as fasting and praying, right? So it's, it's a double blessing, there's a reward, an inherent reward alone for practicing that, coupled with whatever answer that comes um, as God rewards us. But nonetheless, I want to give attention to a number of passages, and I, I hope that you all have your Bibles today. Um, I'm not going to be long, but um, I do want to delve into a couple of things to to springboard us into uh, this this time of fasting and prayer. Um, I, I want us to turn to Psalm 66. <clears throat> Amen. Let me know if you're with me. 
Psalm 66. Um, <coughs> you know, I, I love I love being able to speak about prayer, um, and, and I, I'm going to be covering something that I haven't covered before uh, regarding this this subject. Um, the most indispensable thing, the most valuable thing that you can ever learn to do isn't learn to do quantum mechanics, isn't to learn to, isn't to learn astrology, isn't to learn chemistry, isn't to learn even personal finances. As valuable as those things are, the most valuable thing you can learn to do is to pray and to pray effectively. Amen. Um, if, if one learns how to pray effectively, you can be unknown and have no connections. You can be despised by men and be favored by God and God will actualize things on earth and and move people and cast people down for you. Um, so prayer accomplishes things in the earth realm that uh, the mere strength of man is incapable of comp accomplishing. Um, you, be, be mindful of the fact that Jesus today continues to stand as intercessor. He doesn't stand as evangelist today. He doesn't stand as apostle today. Uh, he is not prophesying today. That Those were things he practiced in his earthly ministry. Uh, even angels themselves, although they are heralds of uh, their messengers, uh, they are themselves not intercessors. Uh, only men have the privilege and the honor of being intercessors. And Christ, the Bible says, uh, continues to stand. He, it, it says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He stands today as high priest and he has not failed to discharge, uh, uh, to, 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 to exercise his duties as high priest. Amen. So he is interceding today. He's given attendance to the altar today. Does that make sense? And um, so, for us to also practice that is um, an honor. Uh, the centrality of Christ's ministry now, because Christ is still ministering. He's ministering in the true tent. He's ministering in the true tabernacle. He's ministering in the true uh, temple in heaven. Uh, now, he is standing as intercessor. He's interceding for you. He's interceding for me. And so when we, that is what therefore gives us access to even come boldly to the throne of grace. Right? And what was before the throne of grace? Before the throne of grace was the altar of incense. And the altar of incense, there was incense now, it would interest you to know, I just think this is fascinating, that there were certain utensils in the, the temple and in the tabernacle that were considered holy unto God. But the altar of incense, which was a golden altar, was considered most holy unto God. So that, that shows you the value and the emphasis that God has upon prayer. He considers it most holy. Amen? Y'all following? Y'all here? Um, so, uh, now the, the altar of incense is before the throne 
And if we are invited to come boldly before the throne, what do we do before the throne? And it's to offer our incense. This is why David says in Psalm 141, verse 2, I believe, May my uh, prayers ascend to you as incense, and the lifting up of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. But with that said, um, oftentimes people are not privy. Uh, they're unaware of why some of their prayers are not answered. Um, and there's multiple reasons why you are not gaining results. In some cases, it's not that you're not getting answers. It's that God is having you wait. Um, but l let us give attention real quickly to Psalm 66. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Uh, verse, uh, excuse me, verse 18 <clears throat> if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love for me. So what do we see there in verse 18? I love how the King James Version puts it. And it says, if I have regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. So, so what, are, what are we seeing there? That the, the thing that will make ineffective your praying is that if you regard iniquity in your heart. Right? Y'all here? Are you asleep? Um, <clears throat> we are not to regard sin, we're not to regard iniquity in our hearts. Amen. For example, if if you're bitter, so uh, regarding iniquity could be, for example, bitterness, right? If if Jesus said, in fact, uh, let's turn there real quickly, Matthew chapter five. Well, actually, Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 14, it says, Now, this was in the context of prayer. Jesus is giving instructions on prayer. What does he say here in verse 14? At the end of his instructions on the Lord's Prayer, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, for, for their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So harboring unforgiveness and hatred is regarding iniquity in your heart, is regarding sin. Right? Um, in fact, it, it also, the Bible even says in First Peter, it says, uh, you know, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, lest your prayers be hindered. There are things that can hinder your prayers, and it's not necessarily the devil. Does that make sense? Um, let, let's also go to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse uh, uh, 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister, now some translations will say without cause. I think that's accurate because it's okay, 
it's appropriate, it's permissible to be angry with your brother or sister with cause. What what are some examples of that? Uh, let's say they they uh, they slandered you. It's it's permissible to be angry for good cause, but Jesus is speaking about the fickle sort of anger that is aroused because of a, 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 an impermissible cause, something that is senseless, something that warrants no anger. If, if they're envious of you because you got blessed, that is causeless. And it indicates that you hate them and that you do not love them indeed. Right? What does the Bible say in, in uh, Romans chapter 12? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So those who are truly for you will weep when you weep. They will rejoice when you rejoice. Amen? But look at what it says here. It says, um, we'll be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says to says you fool will be in danger of the of the fire of hell. Now, <clears throat> the reason why I said causeless is because Paul, for good cause and for good reason, told the Corinthian church, "You fools." the The Greek word is mornia, which literally means "you morons," you foolish, stupid morons. How would that go if I called you guys morons? <laughs> I, I guarantee you someone would be bound to say that's unbiblical. Jesus wouldn't say that. Well, Jesus said things like that. He did. Right? Uh, Jesus, you know, but, but that's what Jesus said. He says, you dogs, you fox, you serpents, you children of the devil... He said that to the Pharisees, of course, but Paul, who, who is the father of the Corinthian church, says, you fools, you morons. Why? Because they were acting like it. So he therefore had good reason to say it. He wasn't saying it out of hatred. He was saying it. It was an indicative statement. It was indicating what was in fact true concerning them. To say otherwise is to, is to say something false. Right? I'm not going to call you wise if indeed you're a fool. And I'm not going to call you a fool if indeed you are wise. Does that make sense? N neither is it to say it just out of a mere insult, just because I want to hurt your feelings. But if I say, for example, you're, you're committing adultery, you're committing fornication, I can viably say you're a fool. And you have no reason to be offended. Does that make sense? Um, but what does it say here? Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. So what we were speaking about, gifts at the altar, right? Now, this isn't referring to the altar of incense because gifts were not put upon the altar. Uh, th th this is... You know, probably speaking with respect to, you know, the, the, the offering of an Israelite's gift to the priest to, so that the priest can offer that sacrifice upon the altar. But nonetheless, look at what Jesus says. 
leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together, uh, while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So what is it that what is this indicating that even before you're offering gifts upon the altar that you are first to be reconciled with your brother or sister in the Lord now it's not referring to those of the world there is no reconciliation between us and those in the world but Paul says what fellowship has light with darkness the word fellowship, koinonia, means things in common. We, the, the only basis that we can have for commonality and fellowship is on the basis of our obedience to the word. If you're not obedient to the word nor believe the word, I have no measure of unity with you. You can get offended with that. You can say, what about my brother? What, what about my, my, my cousin? Okay, what are you? Are you kingdom or, or are you culture? I'm not, I'm not getting feedback from you today. I don't know if it's because this is offending you. Uh, but it's true. Amen. <clears throat> don't be rebellious now. Um, exactly. What did Jesus say? He says, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? They that do the will of the God, the will of God, the will of my father, they are my brothers. They are my sisters. They are my mothers. Right? By the way, that, 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 that shoots out that idea that you cannot have mothers and fathers in the faith. People say, oh, what about what Jesus said? Call no man father. <coughs> Call no man teacher. <clears throat> you, people fail to understand that that was when Jesus was on earth. And, and he's telling his apostles, whom Jesus is teacher of. He says, Call no man teacher. He, why? Because Jesus himself was their teacher. But when Jesus ascended to heaven, Jesus ain't on earth anymore. So who is the father or who is the teacher of the Corinthians? Paul. And But we want to get religious and say, oh, you know, don't, don't, don't call anybody pastor. Don't, don't, or, or the, you know, they, we don't want to uh, 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 give the title, that's my father in the faith. Because, because of poor teaching, we don't keep things in context. Jesus said that exclusively to his 12. Why? Because Jesus himself was their teacher. Right? See, Jesus isn't your teacher. I know that 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 messes with our minds, but okay, when when did you sit down with him last? When did you sit down with Jesus last? Tell me. If, if Jesus is all our teacher, then why, why does so, so much of the church have different teachings? If we truly believed that God is triune, 
I certainly admit that the Holy Spirit teaches us some things. But the Holy Spirit is altogether distinct from Jesus. And if you don't believe that, let me prove it from the text. Jesus says, any blasphemy against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But whosoever blasphemes the Holy Ghost can, will not be forgiven in this age nor the age to come. Oh, so you could blaspheme the Son of Man, which is Christ, and be forgiven, but you can't blaspheme the Holy Ghost. But according to some doctrines, they're the same. Not according to that text. Amen? Does this make sense? So, so the point I'm making is Jesus isn't in flesh teaching you anything. Um, so, so now we are followers of Jesus, right? We, 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 we follow his teachings, but he himself didn't teach you. I I feel some dissonance in the air, you know, and I, I know I, I can't see you, but I I know when I feel things. And so I want to say some. Humble your hearts. (laughs) I'm not saying for everybody, but, you know, keep your heart in subjection to the word. No one's, no one's heart, no one is above the word. We have to submit ourselves to this authority here. I don't make up the rules. As, as a teacher of the word, I'm teaching you. Why why did, why did Paul say, follow me as I follow Christ? Why didn't he just say, follow Jesus? He didn't say that. He said, follow me. But people have a problem with, People saying that, why? Because they just say, it's just me and Jesus. Sorry to say, it's just not you and Jesus. That's not biblical. Jesus is your Savior, but it's not just you and Jesus. Oh, me and Jesus got an understanding. Oh, do you? (laughs) What understanding do you got? So, with that said, we see here that it, it is imperative that, that, that we get things right, that we not regard iniquity in our hearts. You, you know, another instance is, let me know, if, if your heart is, is um, holding resentment, is holding unforgiveness, if, if your heart is relishing in the things that are an offense to God... Do not expect to have the Lord's favor upon your prayer. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs, whosoever turns their ear away from the law, even their prayer is an abomination. Let, let me, let me uh, give you a little insight to also what when to get your prayers is if you're in opposition to leadership. Let, let me show you this real quick, and then I I want to I want to get to the passages that I want to show you because this this additional thing that will negate your prayers isn't necessarily sins that you've committed. Um, but if you look at Hebrews chapter thirteen, uh, Hebrews chapter thirteen verse seventeen, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter thirteen verse seventeen, and the reason why. I say this all the time, but I have to put, stir you in remembrance is because 
The reason why I reference to so many passages is so that you see what the word of the Lord says and not what I say. I have no, uh, 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 I cannot say anything in subtraction to or in addition to the scriptures, right? So you, you should expect my statements to be rooted from the Bible. Amen. So it says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. What? I thought the I thought I thought we, we learned today uh, trust no man. That's not what that's not what the Bible's telling you. The word confidence is confide in the Latin. With confidence, with faith. In other words, have faith in your leaders. Right? Uh and submit to their authority. That's a cuss word today in the Western church. I'm not submitting to nobody. Amen. Okay, well, do what you want to do then. Go ahead. Do what you want to do, and uh, you'll be resisted by the Lord. People fail to realize that. It's just not you and Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter, submit to the elders, and what does it say? For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the lowly. So what is that saying to us? That if we resist the elders, we're resisting God. But you might say, but the elder isn't God. Yeah, you're right. But he has the authority of God. So that if you resist him, you're resisting the Lord. This is why Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me, he said to his apostles, so I'm sending you. Whosoever receives you, receives me. That's what he said. Right? This rebuts the idea, the notion, the false idea that all in church have authority. That's not true. The Bible says, well, I received the Holy Ghost and I received power. Acts chapter 2. Yeah, look at the Greek word. It's the word dunamis. But not all have received exousia. That's the Greek word for authority. Only the ministerial priesthood has received authority. This, the, the, these words are very important and you have to be careful to distinguish and delineate between the two because if we don't, we're led to false doctrine. Right? So, uh, it says, because they keep watch over you. They keep watch. I'm watching over you guys. It's the word episkopos. It's the word where we get the word, you know, there are some denominations today they say episcopal. It comes from the Greek preposition. The prefix in that word is the Greek word epi, which is a preposition. It means about, around, concerning. And then the suffix in the word is skopos, which means scope, to see, to look. So, in other words, an overseer, an episcopos, looks around and about concerning your life. They have an overview, right? So this is why accountability is important. And this is why I request certain people, hey, you know, message me, let me know if you're on the fast. Why? It's accountability. And if you, you know, it, it, it's, it's for the purpose of helping to keep watch. Not because I want to be nosy or a busybody. Does that make sense? Um, 
As those who must give an account, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So if you don't do this joyously, it's no benefit to you. <coughs> but the insight I want to give you there is that if we do not submit to the authority given to the church, that is an occasion for God to resist you and your prayers. Right? Just as if you're a child. So people are like, I don't like that. I don't believe that. Okay, try it out. Or if you're a child and you're under the authority of your, of your parents, try disobeying them and see how it goes with you and God. <laughs> now, of course, if they're asking you to sin, no. But... Don't expect to have God's ear if you're not obeying your parents. The Bible says you children obey your parents in all things. Right? Same thing with a wife. If she's not submitting to her husband, right? I'm not saying if the husband's asking her to sin, but she wants to go to God, God won't hear her. And if you think that God will hear you, you don't know God. <clears throat> right that that's, this is what the text says um so i i'm i'm hoping to shed some light on the reason why you know your prayers are not being answered in fact how can you rightfully pray to the god of grace if you're living in rebellion rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft How can you be operating in witchcraft and supposed to receive and function in grace? You cannot drink of two, two wa sources of water at the same time. One contaminated source and one pure source. Right? Amen. So I want to I want to I want to quickly get into this second aspect of this teaching. Uh, let me uh, so, so I, I base the, the the notion that uh, if you regard iniquity in your heart, now also, and I don't have time to unpack this, but if you are showing favor to those who are iniquitous themselves, you may warrant God's clogged ears. God may not hear you on the count of that. If you entertain wicked people and show favor to wicked people, right? Amen. Uh, the, the Bible says in Isaiah, he says, uh, 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 the, uh, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear dull of hearing, but it says your iniquities have cut you off from your God. Amen. <clears throat> Man, you guys are hard to preach to this uh, morning. I don't know what's going on. And... Uh, but this will make for our liberty. This will make for our freedom. <clears throat> right? If if we don't, if we don't, you will remain in bondage. And I'm not here to hype people up. I'm not no Stephen Furtick. 
I'm not here to, 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 to tickle ears. I'm not here to scratch ears. I'm here to help facilitate a place and, and, and to administer the wisdom of God to, so that your life can be led into glory and freedom and liberty. <clears throat> so let, let us look uh, very quickly at Second Samuel. Uh, regarding iniquity or regarding leadership. Excuse me. Oh, it's an Isaiah. Um, let me see this. <clears throat> the arm of the Lord is not short to save, nor his ear dull of hearing. It's Isaiah 59.1. Isaiah 59.1 and, and verse 2. Um, it says, Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Right? <clears throat> Amen. So, um, look at Second Samuel chapter 21. Second Samuel chapter 21. <clears throat> you know what? Uh, uh, my, my apologies. Let's, let's look at Joshua chapter 8. I want to show you guys something. I, I want to move through this quickly. I'll try to do this as fast as I can. <clears throat> See, one of the things that we have learned today, and I, I, I had been a recipient of this teaching as well, is that if, if you are saved, that you cannot come under a curse. It's, it's a very attractive teaching. Uh, and a lot of the reasons for it is, well, on the one hand, poor teaching. On the other hand is our psychology. People don't understand to what extent one psychology actually influences what they believe. Because we have this need to be secure. So therefore anything that is taught us that helps us to feel more secure, people are more prone to believe that. And it doesn't matter what evidence you present to them. If they feel insecure or they feel troubled because of what they're learning from you, they will discard what is being taught. They will discard all evidence because they need for there to be security in their psychology. Because now the word psychology comes from the Greek word psuche, and it means soul or it means life. In other words, for people to maintain their psychology... The security of their psychology more than the truth of God indicates that they're more soulish than they are spiritual. That they have to hold on to the security of the soul more than they are inclined to believe what the Spirit is saying through His own Word. Does that make sense? It just can't be true. I, 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 I've been taught otherwise. You know, or it, it makes me feel insecure. No. 
your feeling your feelings have no bearing on what the truth of God says right and to indicate that there's a difference between soul and spirit the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 the word of God is sharp uh, sharper than any two-edged sword dividing both soul and spirit so the word of the Lord divides the soul from the spirit um, and I'm not gonna give you the, the differences between the two because it just gets very philosophical uh, but but nonetheless um, so we have to uh, I've been taught that uh, we, we can't come under a curse because we're we're saved when that's attractive because it makes us feel more secure right or that we're eternally secure there's nothing that we can do to end up going to hell this, this is attractive because it makes us feel better but things that make you feel better are not always better nor are they always true right so look at Joshua chapter 8 and uh, verse 28. Uh, look at what the word of the Lord says. It says, uh, so Joshua burned Ai and made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolate place to this day. He impaled the body of the king of Ai on a pole and left it there until evening. A sunset, Joshua ordered them, at sunset, Joshua ordered them to take the body down from the pole and throw it down at the entrance of the city gate. And they raised a large pile of rocks over over it, which remains to this day. So the reason why I'm reading this passage is to indicate that Joshua was advancing uh, God's army, right? And he, he he was he was taking territory, he was annihilating the enemies of God, right? And as a result of that. Uh, nearby regions were thrown into terror because of God being with them. Right, and, and, but he 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 was uh, he was he was invincible in battle because God was with them, right? And so this report was heard by nearby regions. Okay, so they they under, they knew this, and so as a result of that, the Gibeonites end up knew. Oh, these are people that are not to be reckoned with. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, uh, clothe ourselves as someone other than the Gibeonites. Um, so that that uh, the Israelites, the, the people of God, can come into a treaty with us, because we don't we don't want none. <laughs> we don't we, we don't want to come up against these people, right? And so <clears throat> uh, that's exactly what they did. And it says, um, verse uh, Joshua chapter nine, verse three. It says, however, when the people of Gibeon <clears throat> heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a, delega a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks and old wine skins, cracked and mended. The reason why they did this is to, to, to try to convince, try to deceive Joshua that they were from a further region than they actually were because uh, they needed to somehow demonstrate that you know oh we came all the way over there from a very very distant country nowhere near here um and, and so they did that they they made their you know their wineskins and all that stuff look old to sound convincing and to appear convincing and says they were wore, they put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy now they ended up asking for a covenant 
of peace with the Israelites by deception. It says, verse 15, Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them, or as the King James Version puts it, a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. Now I'm going to read a couple of verses and then we'll, a couple more verses, then we'll go to 2 Samuel. Y'all following thus far? Um, Verse 18. But the Israelites did not, well, let's just keep on reading. (coughs) Verse 16. (coughs) Three days after they made the treaty or the covenant with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them because they were supposed to subdue the neighbors, the neighboring uh, regions by command of the Lord. So God told them to do something. So what was originally the will of God was no longer the will of God once they had ratified that covenant with an oath. It's kind of like someone that you weren't supposed to marry. Now you marry them, and God did not want you to marry them. Now what wasn't the will of God became the will of God. Because you ratified that covenant with an oath. Right? And now you're locked in. This is why people need to stop allowing their sexual organs to to lead them rather than God. Oh, I just want to get married because I don't want to live in sin. Right? Uh, It says the whole assembly, uh, and then it says, verse 18, but the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them. So what does it show here? That if they had uh, defied that oath, that they would incur judgment and wrath from God. Do you see that? They would have incurred wrath and injury from the Lord for having broken an oath. But originally that was God's intent. Right? So, <clears throat> now I want to I want to show you here in Deuteronomy uh, and excuse me. Um, and, and the interesting thing is in Numbers thirty three fifty five, the Bible says if you fail to drive out certain people from the land that they will become thorns in your side. And so now they're stuck with thorns in their side. People don't understand what Paul meant when he says, there was given a messenger of Satan to to torment me. And he says, a thorn in my flesh. People think it was a sickness. No, it was people. And he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in the Lord with insults and injuries. Why? Who was constantly persecuting him? It was people. It was messengers of the devil. 
But look at Numbers 33, verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs and, and your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live. Right? So what, what thorns are in your side? Oh, I'm just showing the love of Jesus. No, you're showing your stupidity. This is this is the the result that the the Western Church has got us into is we're showing kindness to wicked people, and and we're entertaining wicked people, and then we incur an injury, and then we end up asking, where was God? No, it's not where was God. Where was the teachings of God made conviction in your life and application to your life? Everybody immediately blames God. Why don't you blame yourself and blame the devil? But nonetheless, the people that they were supposed to drive out were the very people that now became thorns in their sides. And they couldn't do anything about it from that point forward because they made a covenant with him. Is this making sense? <clears throat> now look at, uh, let's look real quickly at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 24, because the reason why I'm going here is to, to show us how even God's chosen can come upon a curse. Okay? Um, <clears throat> well, these were people who, who offered their offerings, offered their sacrifices, and had, had gone to the temple. They were called out by God, and yet they can come upon a, under a curse. Uh, the same holds true as believers today. Just because you say that you're saved doesn't mean that you cannot invoke uh, 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 that curses are, are ineffective to you. If you're remaining in perpetual disobedience, or if you're, for example, if you made a covenant with a wicked person, if you as a Christian came into covenant with, with, a, with, a, uh, with a Satanist, what do you think is going to happen? Or if you go into a psychic, or you're doing yoga, do you think that is going to invite the Lord's blessing, or do you think that's going to provoke a curse? Undoubtedly, it will provoke a curse. Right? You guys are quiet. Why are you quiet? Rebellion is, is a sin of witchcraft. Some people think all, all, all I have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing pentagrams. I'm not doing tarot cards. I'm not getting readings from psychics. No, but you're rebellious, right? So, so how are we going to invite the Lord's blessings if Jesus says, "Blessed are the pure in heart." 
So if, I, if I'm not doing things to invite the Lord's blessing, then what am I inviting? I'm inviting a curse because of my behavior, because of how I live. But look at Deuteronomy chapter uh, 32, verse 24. <clears throat> it says, I, I will send wasting famine against them, consuming pestilence and deadly plague. Okay, so th now this in Deuteronomy, uh, it, it's indicating the, the, the curse that will come upon the people of God on the account of disobedience. Violating the covenant. There are consequences to violating the covenant of the Lord. Right? So some people people wonder, oh, why 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 am I always in debt financially? Why can't I don't have enough? Why don't because there are certain violations that you've made to the covenant of God. We have this stupid teaching out here that says, oh, you're called to suffer. And you're called to be poor. Jesus was poor. No, Jesus wasn't poor. People say the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Yeah, people fail to understand that Jesus was a traveling evangelist. And he said that in a region that wasn't his home. You think Jesus had a home in every single place he evangelized to? The, the paralytic they let through the roof, that was Jesus' house. But we have this, this ridiculous teaching out here that says, oh, you know, the poorer you are, the, the, the richer you are with God. That's a lie. Poverty is a curse from God. Do we read it? We read it there, famine. What did we read in Malachi? For those who refuse to pay tithes, it says, I will send a curse upon your land. Am I making that up, or is that the word of the Lord? Joel, uh, 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 Malachi says that. Joel says that. He says, you've robbed me. He says, where have we robbed you? He says, because you don't pay tithes, so therefore I'm sending a curse of famine. You're not going to have enough. Oh, but, you know, I, I can't pay tithes because, you know, I got, I got to save this money here to pay for X, Y, and Z. Okay, but who are you trusting? You trusting mammon or are you trusting God? You, because you're you're looking at the natural, you're calculating finances and saying if I spend that, then I want. Okay, who are you trusting? Is God the God of the miraculous or is He God of the natural? Amen, somebody. Oh, you don't understand. What do you mean I don't understand? I've been doing this for 12 years. I've never gone broke. So don't don't tell me. Don't talk to me as if I don't know what I'm saying. I don't just say this and don't live it. I live it. And I can testify that God is true and every man a liar. If you are saying contrary, you're a liar. Let you be a liar. Let God be true. Right? Just, just the other day, and I can share this openly because I, I bless God on account of that. I prayed to the Lord specifically for $500. And God told me that he would send it. What happened? Two days later from someone that, that I'd hardly speak to. 
gave me $500 and, and what's crazy is before that individual gave it, I seen him in a dream and God confirmed that through a dream. So don't tell me that God don't move, that God isn't a God of the miraculous. And that was the exactly what I needed. See, see the, the problem isn't that the church wants your money. The problem is you're stingy. The problem is your greed. The problem is you trust mammon. You worship mammon. And that's why you don't allow anything out of your hands. Amen, somebody. Drop the offense and pick up the blessing. But with that said, um, look, look at... Uh, so... People, the people of God can come up, uh, come under a famine. <clears throat> Look at, uh, and, and this will be the last verse, Second uh, Samuel chapter twenty-one. I tell you, you know, I have no, I have no, and I have no interest in making people's lives hard. The Bible says the commands of the Lord are not grievous nor burdensome. Right. There should be no reason that we uh, consider the commands of God burdensome. You know what's burdensome? Sin. And, and the fact that, that we would welcome sin into our lives and, and therefore cannot hear the word of the Lord, the, the burden of sin is upon you. David said in Psalm 119 that I, I, I cherish the word of the Lord as honey. It's, it's, it's honey to my taste. Amen. So is the word is this word honey to your taste? Or is it bitter to your soul? So <clears throat> when people say, Well, I don't like the way you put things. Well, look, neither did the Corinthians. What did they say about Paul? He says, his letters are weighty. That's what they said. In other words, this stuff is too much. It's too heavy. You, you always go in there, Paul. Stop, stop, stop doing that. They said his, 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 his letters are weighty and his, 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 uh, his bodily presence is weak. He, he's not an impressive speaker. Right, so First um, Samuel chapter 21, and this will be the last passage we read. So what do we learn? <clears throat> we learn that they came into a covenant with the Gibeonites. Now, mind you, if I'm not mistaken, this was seven, seven generations prior to the time of Saul. So this is dating way far back, okay? Now look at 2 Samuel chapter 21. <coughs> Verse 1. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. 
So seven generations later, you know why Saul did it? Is to, to, to show off and like I'm such a zealous person. Look, I'll slay these people. And, and yet seven generations later, Saul put to death the Gibeonites and the whole land of Israel came upon a curse because of that. What was the curse? Deuteronomy 32. Their whole land was struck with famine. Do you see that? And so that there may be people that you're, you are yoked with, a land that you're yoked with, people that you're in partnership with, and it's not even necessarily because you sin, but because you're in company with the people, you're suffering from the same famine that they incurred because of their iniquity. That's a good place to say amen. So, uh, you know, that means Jesus kind of calls the shots of your life. He gets to say who you get to be with, and he gets to say where you go. He gets to say what you can and cannot do. Why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I ask you to, to command you to do? That's what Jesus said. Why do we call him Lord, but we don't do it? Amen. You know, I, I I was just meditating last night, and I was thinking about how being a man of the Spirit is much much being like a kid. Why? Because there's so many things I have to ask God about. I don't have no uh, uh, initiative to do things on my own. Let me ask you this. Do you, as an adult, do you feel like you have uh, unbridled freedom? If you do feel like that, you don't know the, the Spirit. You certainly don't commune with Him enough to know that He has to dictate on your life. And if he can tell you something that isn't even in scripture, he says, no, I don't want you going with that person. No, I don't want you going there. No, you can't go there. No, you can't travel there. No, you can't buy that. Do you know God enough to know that he will tell you that? What did Jesus tell Peter? He says, when you're older, someone else will dress you. You can't go where you want to go. You'll be told what to do. But the baby in Christ is always asking, what is sin? Is this sin? Is this sin? No. Is it going to please God? Your perspective needs to change. All that secular garbage, your ungodly TV shows, your ungodly music, all that stuff needs to change. Jesus calls the dictates on your life. How you dress, dress seductively, that needs to change. <clears throat> but look it. The king summoned the so David is praying for three years. They're under famine, and they've been praying this whole time, and nothing has changed. Nothing. Is God unable? Is God unfaithful? Is is his ear dull of hearing and his arm too short to save? No. There's a curse that had come upon the land. And now look it. The king summoned the Gibeonites 
and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel. So these people were not even a part of Israel. They were not God's chosen. And yet, there is a curse that had come upon the chosen of God. Figure that. Were survivors of the Amorites, the Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul in his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to annihilate them. You know why? Because Saul was a people pleaser. He didn't want to please God, he just wanted to please people. And he wanted to look good in front of them and show them what he was willing to do. And this is why pastors who are not pastors, uh, 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 men of the Spirit, they're more people pleasers than they are God pleasers. Amen. Paul says, I didn't seek to be a servant of man, a pleaser of man. He says, if I, if I, if I, this is what he says in Galatians, if I am a pleaser of man, I cease to be a servant of Christ. No, I'm a servant of Christ. I'm a man of God. I stand in the counsel of God. I can say like Elijah, I stand in the presence of God. Hear the word of the Lord, not my word. Amen. And that's not arrogance. That's confidence in God. That's because I know God, and I know that I know God, and God knows me. Does that make sense? It's not arrogance. Amen. So I reject I reject anybody who says something foolish is like that. Um, right? Someone who's arrogant is a Pharisee who doesn't know God, who acts like they know him. See, you can know this text and you can be an infant in the school of Christ and barely know him. Amen. Amen. You know, and I say this not the boast, but the, the times I have been confronted by demons, demons recognized who I was. They say, you're so-and-so. So, so that only further solidifies that I know who I am in God. And I know the office that I stand in. And, it's, it's, and so I have authority to say and teach what the word of the Lord is unto you. And, amen? I don't, know if, I don't know if I've shared this with some of you guys before, but I remember some years back when I was 19, there were some ministers, they were going to cast out a demon. And, uh, and mind you, I'm, I'm not even in partnership with these people. Not even in connection. I just happened to later end up getting connected to one of them. And one of them told me a story about how they were going to cast out a demon for ministers. And, uh, <clears throat> well, this individual was slithering on the ground like a snake. And then that that person that was demon-possessed stopped, and they tilted their head, and they said with a murderous laugh, do you, do you know Greg Chacon? It mentioned my first and last name. And it started blaspheming me and saying, he's a lover of God, and, you know, so on and so forth. Um... But what, what does it say in Acts? What happens when the seven sons of Sceva who pretended to be ministers of God and they try to cast out a demon and says, Paul we know, Jesus we know, but, he says, but they say, who are you? Their names were not recorded in heaven. Does that make sense? In other words, we don't recognize who you are. We don't, 
In the realm of the spirit, you're unrecognized. You don't carry anything. You're, you don't have authority. See, people fail to understand that the Lamb's book of life, you know, that was spoken about, you know what Jesus said that in the context of? He said that in the context of the apostles casting out demons. He says, rejoice that your name is recorded in the book. In other words, you're recognized as an authority in heaven. But anyways, but look at um, last verses here. Uh, then it says this. <clears throat> Verse 3, David asked the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? Isn't that interesting? David is saying, how can I make atonement? He wasn't speaking about the day of atonement. He wasn't speaking about slaughtering a, 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 a sheep. You know, there's some things that will not be revoked out of your life until you pay physical restitution for that sin. People say that's unbiblical. Oh, is it? Is that why Zacchaeus, he said, if I have stolen anything because he was a cheater, he was a, you know, he, he got over on the people. He says, I restore sevenfold. And then what did Jesus say to him? He says, salvation has come to his house tonight. There are some things that you need to make right legally, financially, in order to compensate or to, to recompense or to, to provide restitution. Amen. Does that make sense? People say it's just me and Jesus. Oh, really? Is that why if 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 uh, if you're in disjoined from a brother or sister because of their sin or your sin, he says, be reconciled to them? There were some things that you had to do other than just repent. I'm going to just confess it to Jesus. No, you got to confess it to them. See... You know, when they offered up sheep and stuff like that, they had to offer up their own sheep. And they raised them. You don't think there was a bit of sentimental attachment that they had to the sheep? In other words, these, these things costed. And you don't get to just confess your sin and then move on and say, Oh, there we go. No, there are things that you actually have to practically do that will hurt you. That will embarrass you sometimes. I'm not saying whip yourself on the back. No. For example, if if you if you uh, uh, committed adultery against your wife or committed adultery against your husband, you don't just get to confess that to Jesus. You got to come clean. Ooh, people don't like that, right? Because they want to just their confession of Jesus is, "Please excuse me from this," and 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 so I don't have to incur the injury of this. Right? Amen. Um, let me let me just keep watching pornography and and, and I, I don't I don't confess this to my pastor. You're in bondage. You need deliverance. 
The Bible says James 5, confess it to the elders. But we just want to rip that part out of our Bible and say, I'm just going to confess it to Jesus. No. I'm not saying every little thing, but there are some things that dig you in a pit. And you're so far down in that pit of sin and iniquity, and you're in bondage. You, you can't, you, for example, if you have a warrant out for your arrest, you don't get to evade that warrant. You got to go come clean to the police. Then you confess it to God, and God can clean up your life and stuff. I'm not saying. I'm not saying every single thing under the sun, but there's some things that God will put on your heart that, no, you, you need to come clean with this thing. Amen? Hey, I, I, hey bro, I've been stealing from you. Because, you know, times are hard and... Uh, you know, God convicted me, and uh, you know, here's here's your money back. In fact, I'm sorry, and he, he, I restore sevenfold. In other words, I, I give you more than what I've taken. Amen. <clears throat> but David says, "How can I make atonement?" He didn't say, "How can God make atonement?" He said, "How can I make it?" And then look at, look at what they say. We're coming to a close here. <clears throat> uh, the Gibeonites answered him, We have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul or his family, nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. What do you want me to do for you? David asked. The answer of the king, As for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us so that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel. So look at the consequences. Is that fair to the Gibeonites? Because Saul wanted to make a show for himself. Now their whole people are decimated and they have nowhere to be. Is that fair to them? Where's grace for them? Right? It says, they answered the king. As for the, uh, then it says, um, uh, verse 6. Let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and their bodies exposed before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. And then let's go down to verse 12, and this is the last uh, uh, passage. He went and took the bones of Saul, and his, the he there is David. He went to took the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the citizens of uh, Jabesh, Gilead. They had stolen their bodies from the public square at uh, Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them after they struck down Saul of Gilboa, David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there, and the bones of those who had been killed and exposed were gathered up. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zela in Benjamin, and did everything the king commanded. After that, God, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. So God wasn't hearing their prayer until David made restitution for what Saul did to the land. That curse was not revoked. Hey, let me keep let me keep having sex with with this person over here, living in fornication. 
And, but I'm going to pray to God, God bless me. Oh, no, it don't work that way. <clears throat> Your land is going to be cursed. Amen. <clears throat> Give me the joy of the Lord, O oh Lord. And I'm lifting up I'm lifting up defiled hands for having masturbated in watching porn. You think that works that way? No. Uh-uh. The joy of the Lord cannot meet you if you're doing things that are grieving his heart. The joy of the Lord is God's joy, and God's joy only comes when you bring God joy. Amen. <clears throat> People say, I want, a, I want a ministry, but they're not submitted under anybody. Amen. God, God, there, there are sent ones and then there are just went ones. People just all, oh, you know, I, I'm a famous, you know, influencer with a Spider-Man outfit and I can rally everybody up, but I'm submitted to nobody. It don't work that way. Even if you get so-called results, it doesn't mean that those results are from God. Is this word too hard for us? Exactly. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has, a, has clean hands and a pure heart. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> so... We're, we're going to pray, but there are things that God needs you to cut off. There are things that God needs you to bury like they buried Saul's bones. In other words, you need to put it to death and you need to remove it from your life. And until then, God will not move on your behalf. Amen. Don't look at me crazy. You know, I, I've had times where I would I would call the preacher to church and stuff. People would walk out. Why? Because. I'm not going to tickle ears. I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm here to tell the truth, and the truth sometimes offends. Um, that's not my goal. My goal is that you would receive the word of the Lord and be blessed thereby, obeying, taking heed to it. You know, I've said this before, but um, and it's become a very common statement, but those in hell wish they could hear repent one more time. Do you believe that? People think that pastors are some of the most annoying people on this side of eternity until they find themselves in hell. 
or they're locked up. It happens all the time. Someone's life becomes in ruins and shambles. All of a sudden, they remember the pastor, and you get a you get a phone call or hey, can you? And you know the kindness of the Lord. You know, I'll be there. But you know that that's what we're influenced to say. But if if that if that is your perspective in the good times, you won't end up in the bad time again. Does that make sense? Light should never be annoying to you. If there's something wrong, if light is annoying to you or inconveniencing you, then there's something that you're not doing in accord with the word. Right? Or or you're very immature. Right? Let me say this last thing. The most terrifying thing is when is a prophet stops speaking to you. See, when God had given some of the hardest messages to Israel, it was still it was indicating that God's loving kindness was attempting to draw them from, away from disaster. It was when that he went silent was the time of the point of no return. And therefore, the prophets stopped speaking. What happened with Saul? It says, he, The Lord no longer spoke to him through Urim and Thummim, dreams, nor through prophets. Why? Because God rejected him. So to sit under the preaching of the word of the Lord and God is convicting your heart is an indication of his loving kindness. For those whom he loves and receives as a son, he chastises, he disciplines you. Amen. And what does it say? To those who have been trained by it, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. In other words, it brings peace to your life. Once you begin to obey, it brings peace. And and, and there's so much peace on every side. The, 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 there, there is no compensation to return back because your life is so wonderful now. The thought of going back, it would, would be so much of a cost. It would ruin everything. It's like, let's suppose you work, you take years to cultivate a physique and wonderful health. And let's suppose, in theory, that a mere gummy bear would ruin everything for you. Are you going to eat the gummy bear? For that moment of pleasure, and gummy bears aren't even that good. It don't last. And you're going to ruin years upon years of that hard-earned physique. 